So I'm going to take you to school today. My alter ego is a high school science teacher. This is my superhero look right now. By day, a mild-mannered teacher. By night, I get to preach the word, which is a lot better. All right. Can those lights either be like turned lower or these turned higher so that I'm not blinded? All right. We'll, we'll let them figure that out. Hey, let's, let's pray because this cannot be my words. This has to be God's word. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. And I just pray that you will just fill me up, fill my mind, fill my heart that every word that comes out of my mouth will be your words and not my own. Father, and I just pray for every heart in this room, every ear in this room, every eye and every mind that will be open to you. And we just give this time to you, Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right. We are now reaping what we have sowed. And I am a, a victim just like you guys are victims, some of you. Um, I believe it was in the 40s or 50s, a bunch of people said, hey, we have this law that says we have to have a separation of church and state, so we have to take the Bible out of public education. And if you look around in society, I believe that we are reaping what we have sown. Okay, Generations before us have decided we're going to take the truth out of school and, and we're going to try to come up with a substitute for truth. And that's really what a lot of stuff that you're learning in your classes, as far as some of the biological, the um, geological, uh, not so much chemistry. That's just molecule stuff. They don't really try to do history stuff with a lot of chemistry stuff. Physics. They're trying to explain everything without God in the picture. Matter of fact, one of uh, my workshops as a science teacher, I go to the Michigan Science Teachers Association Convention, and I was like, oh, what am I going to go look at at 9 o'clock? Oh, there's this guy, this professor is teaching on evolution. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to send him some zingers. And so I, you know, I'm sitting about halfway back, and I'm just going to like, I'm just going to wait till you say something that I don't like, and I'm going to throw some stuff at you, see how you respond to it. And what ended up happening is um, actually crazy. I went with this bend of I'm going to go be the bad student in your class to feeling sorry for the man because of how lost he was. And it was just like, God, how did you do that? You totally took my heart that was over here, and you, you just kind of broke it for this guy, and then broke it for every single student that had to sit in this classroom. And so some of you, this message is going to hit home because you go to a public school, and you're going to have some teachers at a public school, not all, and I'm going to tell you this, okay? I'm, a, you know, I'm not teaching biology this year, but in my science department, Okay, they don't like teaching evolution because I've, I'm pretty sure that almost everyone except for maybe one person in the science department is a Christian. And so when they have to teach evolution, they get real nervous. I get excited to teach evolution. 
okay? Because I don't teach it like a normal teacher teaches it. I'm going to show you some slides shortly here, and you're going to just see how I teach things, and you're going to be laughing because my kids kind of know where I'm coming from as I'm teaching this because they're just like, Mr. Van Harmon, you're making this sound like it's a bunch of crap. And I was just like, really? <laughs> wonder how that happened. Okay? Um, so let's talk about Scripture first. All right, let's get that biblical background first, because I'm sure those of you who are going to, you know, Granville Christian, Triunity Christian, Calvin Christian, Unity Christian, um, whatever Christian, uh, or homeschooled, okay? Yeah, West Ottawa, we don't want to talk about them, okay? Um, but anyway, um, hopefully you're getting taught the right way, all right? So I just want to um, read some stuff, because God is so funny, um, I'm reading in the last couple weeks just my normal reading plan, right? So this verse in 2 Peter comes up, and Peter is talking about people in the future. And he says, They deliberately forgot that God made heavens long ago by the word of his command, and that he brought the earth out from the water and, surround, or out from the water and surrounded it with water. So he's telling about the future, and he's saying, They forgot what God has done. By taking the scripture out of school, how are you to remember? How are you to know? Unless your mom and dad are teaching you to read the word on a daily basis. And I'm going to tell you something. And, I, and this is totally off the topic. I grabbed this because I believe God told me this as you guys were worshiping with song. This has to be your textbook for life. Amen. If you don't have this in your mind, you're not going to know truth from fiction. You'll have nothing to, to wage war with, and you'll just sit there and say, okay, you said something, okay, that must be how it's been, okay? But all of a sudden, when we have conflict between the word of God and the word of man, where are you going to stand if this isn't your textbook of life? And you can do, I told this to my son, and I believe this to be true. I didn't come to faith and really hard um, into my faith until I was in my 20s. And I said, you have the possibility to be a better man than I will ever be. And I said, if you right now, as a 14-year-old, dive into the word and get so hungry for the word, you won't make the mistakes that I made, and you're going to be light years ahead when you're 42, you're going to be much more mature at 42 than I am. And that's true for all of you. So let's get into what does God say? And then we're going to look at what does Campbell Reese edition seven of the AP biology textbook. And we'll have a chuckle at that one. Here we go. All right, so we're in Genesis 1, if you want to follow along in your life textbook. All right, here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of water. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, making the first day. 
Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. So he's making the atmosphere. And, and that is what happened. God said, let there be, and that is what happened. God made the space to separate the waters of the earth and the waters of the heavens. And God called the space sky. And the evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. And God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry, dry ground may appear. And this is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the water seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. Now here is something huge that you may have passed over before. But this is just so enormous for what science is going to tell you. The very next sentence that you may have skipped over said, These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. So God created, and then he said, The vegetation that I made will produce seeds that will make the same thing. And the next sentence, and that is what happened. Their seeds produce plants and the tree and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good, and evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs to mark the season, the days, and the years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And God saw that it was good in the fourth day. I kind of paraphrase that one. Now we're on day five. So we have water, we have land, and we have plants. Okay? This is important. All right? So day five. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with the birds of every kind. So God created the great sea creatures of every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. Have you ever caught that in there? Okay? Because if you're not, I mean, a lot of people were just like, yes, okay, God created the heavens. Okay, it's giving you right here the tools to use. Your defense is right here. And God said, and there was, and he created them to make the same kind. And then the next word, you know, and God saw it good, and that's what happened. The fifth day. The sixth day, let the, uh, God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God thought it was good. And then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurried around. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And that is what happened. I love that. You know, it's like at the end of each thing, 
And that is what happened. And as I'm preparing this message, I'm just like, this is so beautiful. And you know what? I want to tell you something about science, too. In Proverbs 25, 2, God says it's the glory of God to conceal things. So if we simply read Genesis and believe it, that's to the glory of God. God, I don't need to know all of the, you know, every, the little tiny bits and minutiae. But he also said this, but it's the glory of kings to search things out. God doesn't say, don't try to figure out how I did things. He's like, it's okay. Go ahead, try to figure it out. That's why I said a couple weeks ago when I was speaking that I believe in the Big Bang. Not just because it's a TV show, okay? But I believe in the Big Bang, and I was talking to my son about this because I believe, you know, scientists, the physicists are trying to find out the exact origin of where did everything kind of explode into existence with the scientific Big Bang. And I believe if they find that location, they will actually pinpoint the exact location where God said, let there be. So I do believe in the Big Bang, okay? And you know what? It's to the glory of God that I simply just believe him. But now let me get back to the science guy. Let's get back and show you the science and give you some defense. All right, so here we go. Day number one, I go into this lecture, and this guy says, okay, I can't begin this talk about the origin of things telling you that God created everything. But he wouldn't even say God. He would say a supernatural being. Okay, we cannot say a supernatural being has done all this. And this is why. Okay? And, you know, I appreciated his, his, his kind of candor in this point. He said, in science, I have to follow the scientific method. You've all taken the quizzes. Okay? Scientific method quiz, first week of school, right? So here we go. In the scientific method, we have to make an observation. We have to have a hypothesis. We then experiment our hypothesis, and we draw conclusions on what we find out during our experiments. If our experimental data supports our you know, evidence, then we are going to recreate that experiment to see if it happens over and over and over again. If it doesn't, if we are wrong, then we have to tweak our hypothesis a little bit, have a new experiment, and see if that one works out. And we're going to do that over and over again until we find, quote, unquote, the right answer. And he's like, I can't take a supernatural being and put him into my lab and say, okay, God, create. And so he says, because I can't do that, I have to find another reason. And that's when my jaw dropped. And I was like, what? I was like, did you just say what I think you said? And he's like, because I can't physically put a, the creator God in my lab, I have to scientifically say it must have happened another way. And I was like, no wonder everything's messed up. We're going to find the answer without the answer. Two plus two is four. Someone steal four. <laughs> Put it over there. Now figure it out. Ha ha. Okay? Two plus, two plus two is 
it must be five. <laughs> because it can't be four, we don't have four. <laughs> so it must be five, okay? And I mean, this is literally, I mean, I love the laughter because this is how ridiculous it is. Because I'm sitting back there and I'm saying, huh? I'm all for a scientist saying, okay, God did this. Let's figure out how he did it scientifically. How does it make sense scientifically in, in figuring stuff out? But when you say that the answer isn't the answer, then I think you're silly. Matter of fact, I was doing my devotions on Monday. I had to pull this up on my phone because I couldn't have multiple, you know, multiple devices, have multiple information. On Monday, I just love this. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. I'm just going to go kind of in the middle here. It says, now regarding the question about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that we all have knowledge, as in quotation marks, about the issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. And this was the part that just made me laugh. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. That's in the Bible. Anyone that claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. So I'm going to tell you right now today, I'm talking to you. I don't know all the answers. Okay, I don't. Okay, I trust on the word of God, and, and, and that's, that's what I have. Okay, here we go. Do you got my PowerPoint? Is it up there? Excellent. So this is the actual PowerPoint that I got with my textbook company, and right now we're going to see if we can't pick out the holes. All right, slide two. Okay, so here we go. So we have the mystery of mysteries. How can we go to the Galapagos Islands and see a bunch of diverse plants and animals that we have never seen before? How'd they get there? They're different. Okay, and so, you know, yeah, maybe magic, maybe whatever. So this is what led everything out. People are going all over the earth, and they're just saying there's some differences, okay? And, you know, I look around this room. Look around the room. Are we mirror copies of everyone, or do you see differences in the room? Okay, you see differences, okay? Would you argue that you're all a different species, or are y'all humans? You're all humans, okay. So we're going to go with that answer. All right, so hit the next one. So now we have the origin of species, finding the answer without the answer. Excellent. All right, this is the focal point of the evolutionary theory because we have to have the appearance of a new species is the source of biological diversity. Or, God said, let there be all kinds of cool stuff. Okay? And there was. Okay, so here we go. So the evolutionary theory has to explain how the new species originates in addition to how populations involve. And we don't need the last one. Let's just flip it. All right, so this is where we're going to hang our hat, okay? This is where the fun begins, all right? I'm reading this, and I'm preparing to teach this to my students, and so I said, okay, here's the definition. What is a species? A species is a population or a group of populations whose members have the potential to interbreed in nature and produce viable, fancy word for living, and fertile, fancy word for can rep reproduce and have more kids, okay? And their kids have to be able to have kids, okay? 
So a species is a population or a group of populations that have the potential to interbreed and have a living child that can make another living child. That's the definition of a species. Okay? So if we flip to the next slide, they start off right away contradicting each other. So we can read the eastern meadowlark, and you'll notice the genus and species name is different than the western meadowlark. Totally different species, right? So we call these two different birds. All right, so they have similar body shapes and colorations. Nevertheless, they are a different biological species because their songs and other behaviors are different enough to prevent interbreeding should they be in the wild. Now, this is like saying, these guys like country western music and they line dance, and these guys like hip-hop and so they dance hip-hop. And because you square dance and they hip-hop, you're like, uh-uh, I am not getting together with them. Okay, there is no dating you, there is no reproducing with you, no way. And so because you're a bad singer and a bad dancer, you're not going to happen in my life. And so is that enough to make me a new species? Because they said, because these guys like different music and they like different dancing, then all of a sudden they're like, nope, new species. But that's not the definition. The definition says if we can have the potential to reproduce, if the sperm cell of one can fertilize the egg cell of another and make a new generation that can also make a new generation, then they're the same species. Not because of a song or a coloration. So why are we calling something brand new that may biologically be the same thing? Because here's their next generation. We see the six different people that are, you know, from six different races. And it says, as diverse as we may be in appearance, all humans belong to the same biological species. Okay? Now, in this case, this is what they said in the book. Here's the reading. If a woman from New York takes a vacation to Hawaii and meets a farmer from China and they decide to reproduce, they will make a human that has both the American and the Chinese DNA, and they will make another human, so we are part of the same species. Even though, if we look historically, we have the, the human in New York, okay, that they assumed was white in their, in their story, okay, has been separated. If you think Adam and Eve are the beginning and you think how many generations of families that there have been separated, we're talking thousands, possibly millions of generations apart. They're separated by the Pacific Ocean and a lot of land. But if they go to Hawaii and have the vacation of their lives and they get together, they can make a baby. And they're human. But for some reason, birds that sing different songs, are a new species. Interesting. Flip the slide, please. All right. So this is where I really start laughing because their definition doesn't work. So now they're just like, we need to make up new definitions because the biological species one does not work. And so we must have some reproductive barriers 
so that we can explain just because why they don't choose, okay? Now, I'm going to tell you something. When I grew up, and, and I, you know, date who you want to date. That's my truly belief. It doesn't matter what race someone com, comes from, what their interests are, whatever. If, if you like them, go out with them, your mom and dad approve, excellent, okay? But when I was a kid, it's like the, the race people, you know, it's like, you know, if you're white, you go out with someone white. If you're black, you go out with someone black. If you're Hispanic, you go out with someone Hispanic and, and just whatever. And if you went out with someone of a different race, then people kind of, you know, not that much anymore. All right? Well, it was awkward, okay? I remember actually, you know, kind of liking people from different races, and I'm just like, what's my grandfather going to say? You know, is he going to give me the look? All right? But that's, that was then, okay? And I only bring this up because, all right, there is something natural about finding something that looks like me, okay, and, 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 and going over there. But that doesn't mean because we don't choose to reproduce, okay, and I'm saying this, this is like animal kingdom stuff, so we kind of have to eliminate, okay, we're supposed to, you know, date and, you know, get married before we reproduce, kind of, you know, so when I say all this stuff, we're we're talking non-humans, okay, but in this situation, all right, it gets kind of crazy, and I'm a few slides behind in front of me. All right, so we have to have quote-unquote barriers, right? So if we can see the timeline slide, the next one, uh, we see all of these different reasons why people, you know, are isolated. So snake number one likes the water. Snake number two likes the land. So they call this habitat isolation because one is swimming and one is on land. They won't reproduce, and so they must be a new species. But wait a minute. I thought the definition was if female snake mates with male snake and they can produce offspring that will be living and can create more offspring. I thought that was our definition. But what they said is because the guy, this one's not going to come out of the water and that one's going to stay on land, then eh, we're going to call them a new species. Huh? Why are we creating another definition? Okay. The next one over, okay, I'm going to use the teenage boy example on this one because it's kind of funny. Um, I can't remember if D or C, one of them likes to mate in the spring and one of them likes to mate in the fall. And so they say because one, po- one population reproduces in the spring and one you know, population reproduces in the fall, then you know what? They're, they're, they're isolated and so they have to be a new species. And I'm chuckling because I'm just like, you know what? I don't know of many guys or men that would care when. Look at stereotypically. I mean, mean, look at, you know, common stereotypes. You're telling me, and you go into the animal population. I've had pets for a long time, and when my dog growing up was in heat, it's like there was five dogs from five different blocks away that were suddenly showing up on my front doorstep. Mom, why are all these dogs there? Oh, the dog's in heat. What does that mean? Don't worry about it. You know, it's just like, you know, we don't want to talk about that. Wait until your science class, okay? Um, You know, and that's the crazy thing. I mean, these dogs are coming around because the female put a scent out. I'm, you know, and (laughs) the funny thing is D and C, they're skunks. So if they put a scent out, it's not pretty anyway. Um, You know, and in this situation, it's just like, okay, we're going to call them a new species because they choose to prefer you know, a different mating time. 
But my question is, if I put a female in a cage with the male and the female goes in heat, will the male say, why not? And will, when that happens, will there be a new offspring that can make a new offspring? And if the answer is yes, then why are we calling it a new species? Okay? Letter E, this is where your movie Happy Feet came from. They're not penguins. All right. Um, this one on the left has to do with this little funny dance because in this population of birds, blue feet are the preferred characteristic. And so the males, do this, the males do this dance to say, look at my blue feet, look at my blue feet, look at my blue feet. Aren't they wonderful? Okay? And if your feet are pretty enough, then okay, you can, you know, fertilize my eggs. And if not, then not. So once again, we have to ask ourselves, you know, the birds that can't dance, does that mean that they're a new species? No. Okay? If they can't dance, they're probably the white birds. Okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. I got myself on that one. I mean, I don't mean to be. One of my best friends in high school was African-American, and that boy did his best to teach me how to dance. And I think he just did it because YouTube wasn't around then for him to laugh. And so it was just kind of like, let's bring Mark. <laughs> we'll teach him how to dance. Do this. Okay, I can do the sprinkler. You know, that's, that's, that's about it right there. Okay. So I apologize if you're offended for that. That was an ADHD moment. All right. Um, going through here, um, we go through this whole biological species concept, and all of a sudden, they're just like, wait a minute, this, we, we, we can't keep this definition because how can we explain if, if a single-celled organism, you know, because they just make a copy of themselves. And wait a minute. We, 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 can't, we can't tell if the dinosaur reproduced with this dinosaur because it's a fossil. So because we can't put it in the lab, well, we're going to make a new rule. All right? And, you know, basically what I found, um, and if you flip um, the slide here, uh, and one more time, and that's the other, organisms for which little is known. Well, we don't know enough about them, so they don't work. <laughs> Okay, all right. So here we have the morphological species concept, the, the paleontological okay, species concept. The, you know, all these different things. We're making a new rule. We're making a new rule. How many of you hate playing games with people who keep making new rules in the middle of the game? Bam! Okay? I mean, that's the first thing that I would challenge your science teacher with. You know, how come they keep having to make an addendum? And then we have an addendum to the addendum. And we have an addendum to the addendum to the addendum to the addendum. Why, why, what's going on here? Why do you keep changing your rules? Why do you keep changing your definition? In English class, it's a lot less confusing, science teacher, because they give us one definition, and that's the one for the rest of the semester. You keep changing the definition. Okay? How am I supposed to pass the quiz? All right? If I take the quiz and make up a new definition, does that mean I'm a really good scientist? Okay? Maybe, I don't know. All right, um, next slide. I mean, this stuff is crazy, okay? So now we have some of these other things, and we're saying, okay, we have a pond, and water evaporates, 
And so these fish over here are doing one thing, and these fish over here are doing something else. So because they can't reproduce anymore, because they're in two different ponds, must be something new. Okay, yeah, that's, okay, keep going. I like your thinking because you're on the same page. All right? Other times, it's like some things happen within a population. You're in the same pool of water, and some things change. Well, you know what? If we stand up and just look in this room, okay, you can ask yourselves, do I prefer to go out with a brunette? Do I prefer to go out with a blonde? Do I prefer to go out with a redhead? Do I prefer to go out with someone that's black hair? Do I prefer to, you know, go out with someone with straight hair or curly hair or whatever? Okay, so we're using those physical characteristics. You know, these fish, you know, maybe sometimes, you know, the genes, and I haven't gotten into that because there hasn't been time. I normally taught this unit with DNA and with all this stuff. It was about a six-week unit, and I had 75-minute classes. All right, so I'm cramming everything into like 35 minutes, and I'm like... Six minutes from my time's up. Matt's going to come up here and boot me. Let's see the squirrels. All right. Okay, now I don't want you, any of you Doug people saying, oh, squirrel. Okay. All right. Really, there is one. All right. So in this case, remember how I said at the beginning of this how the woman from New York and the guy from China could meet in the, the Hawaii reproduce and have a kid, and that makes them human. So this is what they say. If you look really carefully, we have a different species name for this squirrel. They're separated. They call it geographic separation. So they must be a new species because one cannot climb down the wall of the Grand Canyon, cross the Colorado River, climb up the wall of the other canyon, and say, wasn't that impressive, ladies? Come get me. Okay, and you know, when we look at that, all right, I almost laughed out loud because I'm just like, the example that you gave in the beginning of the chapter was a woman from New York that's separated by the Pacific Ocean and millions or thousands of generations of, you know, human reproduction can have a baby with the China guy in Hawaii, but you're telling me that this squirrel has to be a new species because of that squirrel because there's a little canyon in front of him. Are you serious? Okay? And then here's the last example. Okay, let me see the fishists. I couldn't call them racists, so I called them fishist. Okay? The fishists are cichlids, and you'll notice once again we have a different genus and species name here. One is slightly orange colored on the back, and one is more yellow white. And in natural light, where we have this full spectrum of light, the orange-backed fishes will not reproduce with the light-backed ones, and the light-backed ones will not reproduce with the orange. So they said, they're a new species. It's something brand new. But then they did something absolutely hilarious. They did the equivalent of turning the lights off. Okay? What they did is they put it in a monochrome orange light. So the light bulb only gave off light from the orange color spectrum. So all of them looked the same. And you know what happened? They all got busy. <laughs> okay? They all said, no problem. 
I'll reproduce with you, I'll reproduce with you, you can fertilize my eggs, you know, do, 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 do. And you know what happened to that next generation? They had kids that could have kids. So in a single phase of light, they act like a single species, but when we turn the normal light on or under normal sunlight, then all of a sudden, they don't. And so once again, I'm just like, and they're using this as a proof for their speciation. And I'm like, this just proved they're the same species. And you're using it as an argument to say it's something new. So how many of you are questioning evolutionary theory? I know I do. Okay. And here is what the guy said at the end of his lecture. And I love this. He said, you don't believe in evolution. Evolution is not a belief. In science, you either accept the science or you reject the science. You either say, my hypothesis, my experiment, and my results are thumbs up, or you say, they're flawed, thumbs down. You don't believe it. And when I thought about that as I was preparing this message, I was just like, well, that's cool. Because my life textbook gave me a filter. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I, I cannot tell you how important and how powerful it is for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I truly believe that God, through the Holy Spirit, was talking to me through this man's lecture to tell me fact from fiction. At every point in his lecture, I saw the flaw. And it's not like I'm this, you know, super duper college, you know, you know, research-based, you know, blah 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 person. And the same thing as I'm reading the textbook, it's like I had this filter. Because when I was preparing this message and when I put that piece in there, I said, you know what? We don't have a choice to just accept or reject the science. God gives us the ability to basically accept or reject his word. We have the ability to read his word and say, I believe it's true or I don't believe it's true. And that's where we stand in disagreement with the scientists. What are we going to accept and what are we going to reject? Scripture says in Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. We had the one, we have to have a new rule because we don't know. Bible says the heavens and the earth proclaim the glory of God in his creation. Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Psalm 8.1, for the director of music according to blah, 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 the Psalm of David, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be. And there was. I hope this was helpful. Um, I believe Kendra has some of my notes. If you guys actually want some of my notes, um, they're available to you. You can ask her for a copy. And I, as long as you're here and I'm here and you have any other question, I mean, one of the reasons why I really wanted to tell this to you was at junior high camp this year, there was a young man who could not come to faith because of something his teacher told him. I don't know if I can believe you because of something that I learned in school. In September or October, there was a young man here that rose his hand for the first time, and I said, you know, I didn't say what took you so long, but we were just kind of talking about, you know, his journey. And he's like, I don't know if I can do this because of what I've been told. Know it. Know it, know it, know it. This is your defense. This is your defense. This is your freedom. And that's my heart for you. My heart for you is that you know the truth. And scripture says if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So let's bow our heads. Father, you not only gave us the ability to accept or reject your word for creation, but you also give us the ability to accept and reject your son, Jesus. Your word says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. If you've never made that decision, to accept Jesus. You have that opportunity right now. So I'm going to count to three. And if that's something that you've never done before, and you want to say, you know what? I accept your creation. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your son. I want to know the truth. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so I can know fact from fiction. Raise your hand in one, two, three. Excellent. Father God, we just thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we just come here and we thank you and we praise your name, the name above all names. Amen.